Well, good day and welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Jeff Baumgartner, Senior Editor at Light Reading. And I'm Steve Koenig, Vice President of Research at Consumer Technology Association. Well, hey, Steve, good to have you here. Uh, Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Great to be here with you, Jeff. So we're all, you especially, (laughs) me a little bit, but kind of getting ready at this moment, uh, holidays, but kind of the run up to uh, CES 2023. And I think today we're going to talk about maybe some of the big trends kind of heading into the the show, maybe a little bit of a hint as to uh, what CTAs found in the, the tech trends report and so forth and, and some updates on kind of the CE industry uh, in general. But before we dig into that, maybe Steve, we could talk a little bit about uh, the status of the event, right? Um, I, I think well, last year it was live, if I'm recalling. Yes, that's right. Yeah, we yeah. we moved forward. Uh, yeah, and there was there was some controversy. Uh, yeah, with, with us pulling off the 2022 event, but we did, and actually, we got a lot of applause for that from a lot of our members and uh, just even people across the trade association industry. That that we we decided we made the bold decision to move forward. And, and that, that gave a lot of other shows confidence in 2022 to push ahead with their events. Because if the pandemic taught us one thing, it's the importance of in-person events. You can, you can virtualize the human experience for a season, but not in perpetuity. And to really get business done, you, you've got to be face-to-face. And at least that's the feedback from our membership constituency and other business leaders around the world. So we're delighted to be back in Las Vegas for CES 2023, January 5th through 8th. And uh, by the way, <laughs> I think I think most listeners know, but but Consumer Technology Association is the owner and producer of CES. So it's, it's our trade show. Right. And yeah, it's going to be a big event. We're expecting over 100,000 attendees, business professionals only from... Uh, probably over a hundred countries worldwide. And we've got a lot of show to see because the last count that I heard, our exhibitor total was just north of 2,800 companies. And in terms of net square feet under exhibits, so that's not counting pathways and aisleways, which by the way, are wider. We, we've done that just to give people greater comfort to move around and not well, that's be good because I know it gets a little jammed up in there sometimes. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think it's pretty crowded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully not anymore. Uh, yeah. that's, that's something we implemented for 2022 and we're sticking with that. Yeah. But but yeah, we'll have over 2.1 million net square feet of space. So CES is definitely back. And everybody that we talk to across the global tech industry is so excited to, to gather once again, in Las Vegas, CES always updates everybody on the, the latest trends. We get to witness incredible information, uh, innovation, and it, and it really sets the tone, I think, for the tech sector for the year. So it's it's something we're really looking forward to. And as I mentioned, over 100,000 other people. Yeah, and we are, by the way, we are, by the way, uh, maintaining our digital presence. So there will be a digital part of the show for those who can't attend uh, in person for, for whatever reason, they, they can register for the digital event. 
So is that like keynotes and certain Correct. sessions? Okay. Correct. Yeah. There, there's a, some of our major conference sessions will be streamed on, on the digital platform. And I would say most of the major brands will have a digital presence, uh, not all 2,800 plus, but uh, a good portion. And I, again, I think for someone who is, is not able to travel to Las Vegas for CES, it's a good way to take into the show uh, in addition to all the, the various media and podcasts like this one. All right. Well, and then with, with the expectation too for the uh, for 2023, how does that compare to 2022, right? Because I think people were just starting to, you know, uh, get back to uh, live events. So are you, with the numbers you're talking about, does that get you a little bit closer to, pre-pandemic numbers or kind of approaching those numbers? If you had to kind of provide a little bit of a comparison on things. Yeah, so I I think it it definitely is a step in the right direction. Uh, We're still maybe a good bit, uh, maybe 50, 60, 70,000 away from our our max. But but we've all all been there, done that at at so many CESs where there are over 150,000 people. Mm -hmm. And oh, yes, uh, yes it, it, it can be quite crowded and, and busy. And so we're okay. What's important is that CES is moving forward. And we're going to, like I said, we're going to have nearly 3,000 exhibitors. And many of them, this is their, their shot for the year, that, that especially small and medium-sized businesses. Uh, so Samsung and, and LG and some of the usual suspects in, in consumer tech they, they can hold a press conference and, and do a lot, whatever they want. But a lot of the small and medium-sized businesses, this is their, their big media chance, and uh, they're, they're counting on it. So that's, that's really what's important. Uh, I, I personally believe in, in a short amount of time, we'll get back to maybe pre-pandemic levels. But again, what's important is that CES is happening. Uh, we also have the digital event, so it's a hybrid event, and it's... Uh, it's really important for the industry, and, and that's what our, our members are expecting, and that's what we're going to do. Okay. Well, I know I'm kind of getting my um, my own dance card together uh, for the event. I know I'm going to be popping around the uh, you know the different uh, areas where the the event is taking place, all up and down the uh, the Las Vegas uh, Strip. But I know each time I've come out there, whether yeah it was in person or digitally, I always like to keep an eye on the uh, kind of the tech trends report that CTA puts out. Now, is that that's two times a year though, right? Or is it, I can't remember what the frequency is, but I know it's always definitely one comes out right at CES. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What you're, what you're referring to, which, which covers a lot of, of trends is uh, consumer technology associations, uh, industry forecast update for the U S market. But, a lot of the trends and even the products thereof that we we quantify the market opportunity and growth trajectories for uh, th- those are those are global things. So we we do publish twice a year, and we'll be publishing our report on January third for for free member download. But also we'll have a, a pretty meaty press release for the for the media to take in and uh, get the word out on on what we're really expecting for for 2023 for the US consumer tech industry. Right. And if you had to um, provide a little bit of a uh, preview, um, what what are some of the big 
trends that we can expect uh, to kind of be highlighted in the report and, and any big differences from what you saw about a year ago? Well, listeners will appreciate that we're in pretty challenging economic times when we think about inflation, rising interest rates, and we know that Jerome Powell and the Fed have have clearly articulated they're going to stay on a pretty heavy-handed uh, path in terms of monetary policy and continue to tighten, which is to say raise interest rates uh, going into the new year. And what, what we've observed in 2022 for the domestic tech industry is first half was pretty good, but from, call it the summertime, we, we saw demand starting to soften and we fully expected that. And that's really just a function of, of sales volumes coming down from their pandemic highs. Uh, 2020 and 2021 were record-breaking years for the consumer technology industry, not just here in the U.S., but I think really globally. And, and we understand the reasons for that. We had, to, we had to basically beef up our tech around the house uh, for productivity, the collision of home, work, and school, but also we invested in other tech like smart home and and smart doorbells was uh, one of the darlings with all the online uh, deliveries of, of essentials, but also food like Grubhub and Uber Eats and those things. Yeah, we, I we use those all the time. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> that's like and, a trend that stuck with me. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. that's that's exactly correct, and that that was one of our big takeaways. Really, the the just as a quick aside, it, it's it's definitely true that the pandemic transmuted a lot of consumer behavior as it pertains to tech. And what you just mentioned is one of the big ones, is that services that before the pandemic were either not a thing or just kind of used on the margins, maybe by just really you know college students or, or young people or really on the bookends, but now had become table stakes for, for a lot of consumers. And they leaned into those things like, like online grocery ordering and they're sticking with them. But in any case, we, we fully expected demand to soften uh, in 2022, and, and it certainly did. But inflation is putting additional downward pressure on demand. And so what I'm saying is that in second half, we, we saw really the uh, balloon of demand for tech earnestly deflate. And that's led to a lot of, uh, a lot of excess inventory at retailers, which is why Folks will remember we, we saw some incredible deals for technology products uh, during holiday 2022. Our, our outlook for 2023 is that is really a continuation of this. And again, this has everything to do with the macroeconomic picture of, of still high inflation. Consumers are paying more for everything and that they bought up a lot of tech during the season of the pandemic. So some replacement cycles will be stretched out uh, and people will be very, very much and very earnestly prioritizing purchases. So we, we expect 2022 uh, at a total industry level will be down in the low single digits in terms of retail sales. And that will probably also be true in, as when we publish our final numbers again on January 3rd for 2023. And we, we do see some, a bit of a recovery and from a demand standpoint in second half of 2023, but that may come as late as holiday 2023. So basically in almost a, a year. About a year time. from now, maybe? Almost a year's time. Yeah. Okay. And 
We, we, we think based on the data that we've been looking at, again, from a macroeconomic perspective, we, we think a, a recession is inevitable. If you, you think about rising interest rates and the rate at which consumers charge up their cards, these, these interest rates are, are going to yield some big time interest payments. If you're on an adjustable mortgage, you're paying a lot more utility bills. We know that story. Food prices. You put all these pieces together, and I think a lot of consumers are not just pumping the brakes, but slamming the brakes on spending. And that's why we, we think the soft landing narrative is, is a fiction. And uh, if, if we don't technically dip into a recession in 2023, it will very likely feel like it. But one area in tech where we do see strength is services, what we were talking about before, uh, stick people sticking with services. And that has been one area throughout 2022 where consumers, according to our research, we have a, a monthly what we call inflation tracker that basically looks at discretionary spending among U.S. households and how they're prioritizing their discretionary dollars. And what's been consistent is that people are spending on experiences and less on things. And because they already bought all the things. That, that's right. <laughs> like that's, a couple of, yeah, the last couple of years, right? It's like, okay. Exactly. So, so the data has, has, has been strongly corroborating our hypothesis here. And but but even with services, we think services revenues in 2023 will be largely flat, just as as people have to make tough decisions. They've got to reprioritize everything. And if it's if it's comes down to putting food on the table or watching Netflix, you can imagine what people are going to choose. But this is also why I think we're seeing a number of these services modulate, especially content services like Netflix with ad supported subscription options that are a lower cost as a way to keep viewers and, and give them that option. So I, even though we haven't seen a great deal of uptake, I think that that may in the end uh, be successful, certainly during tougher economic times. Right. Well, it, it, I find it kind of interesting too, with the, um, uh, the inventories you were kind of referring to for consumer electronics and, and, you know, throughout 2022 and, and you know, even a little bit before that, you know, the supply chain ish, you know, constraints, you know, has, has been a central theme. Um, it, sometimes in my world, it, it has to do with network equipment and components for for network gear and so forth. Um, but on the uh, consumer product side, uh, consumer electronics, uh, from what you said there, it sounds like. Uh, because of a surplus, like there was maybe a little bit of catch up there. So they have inventory. So what's, what's kind of been the uh, kind of the, the latest on the supply chain impacting the CE industry right now? Well, I think generally a lot of the friction points around supply chain have been getting generally better. <clears throat> However, our perspective is that across the tech industry, supply chains remain vulnerable. And really, one area that has not gotten a lot better, uh, and we it remains to be seen if it will improve, is China's zero COVID policies. Now we know that they've started to relax those, we'll loosen a little bit, yeah. yeah. But they're they're <laughs> consequently they're dealing with an incredible wave of COVID over there. Uh, if you 
pay attention to the, some of the, the news coming out of China uh, and so forth. So we'll have to see. But that but that's, I would say, is really at the salient zero COVID and just the fact that factories would shut down for two, sometimes three weeks. Shanghai, a very, very big port city. And that's that's created these this there hasn't been a steady flow of product. And, and that's really what underpins, I think, a lot of the inventory challenges is that there have been periods of time during 2022 where retailers have had a dearth of, of product uh, and they had customers in the store. And then all of a sudden it, it hits at one time and the customers have, have moved on to something else. Yeah. Uh, how, do you, and, how do you manage the lumpiness of that? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not consistent. It's not... You can't just rely on kind of past trends to, to drive your path forward, I guess. Yes. And then uh, I think also maybe there could have been, and again, this isn't uniform across the, the channel, but just pegging consumer demand. And there were month in, month out, there are always a lot of uh, guesses, certainly from Wall Street, about what Fed policy is going to be and what they're going to do. And and right now, they're they're really at opposite ends. The markets are, are looking one way and the Fed is is looking a different way. But yeah, supply chain is, is general. So shipping container costs and, and uh, a lot of manufacturers and retailers here domestically, there was a story in the Wall Street Journal about how Long Beach is no longer the busiest port by volume in the United States. It's, it's shifted over to the East Coast, to New Jersey. So a lot of people are, are remodulating uh, supply chains. I think the general theme, and this this really grew out of the the health crisis, was uh, endeavoring to to make supply chains shorter uh, and really as short as possible. And then another uh, another leg on this kind of stool is is moving and and levering manufacturing out of China. And we we've seen some big brands like Apple taking some steps, not 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 giant steps, but over time, small steps do add up, and I, I think the general future trend in this decade is by the time we get to 2030, I think the amount of product made and shipped from a technology angle in China will be radically different from what it is today. And, and there's no shortage of, of other Asian countries that are clamoring for a lot of that economic opportunity, and as well as, as, as we may see a good bit of uh, reshoring. In, in some areas, we know semis is one area where we're seeing a lot of fabs being built here domestically. So I think it's entirely possible that we could see some some reshoring of, of tech manufacturing here and there. I want to be clear: I'm not talking about uniform steps, and this is a broad trend. But certainly for for smaller manufacturers, it, it might make more sense if they're getting the chips here; they're being made here. Then maybe they can make some of their products here uh, yeah. as well. Well, like, yeah, like you said, the change can happen, but yeah, it's not going to happen overnight and it's not going to happen wholesale <laughs> as well. Okay. Now, if you were um, going to kind of hang your hat on uh, some specific trends or areas or product or service areas that are going to kind of lead the way at uh, CES, 2023 uh what's your sense on that right because i'm kind of looking through the, the the keynotes and you know they do touch in in some other areas but i did notice you know there's a lot of panels 
talking about the metaverse, you know, and, uh, you know, how can you open source the metaverse? And there's a lot of different components of the metaverse um, uh, as a trend that seem to be uh, are going to be addressed at the event. That, that's right. And I'm really excited along with listeners to to learn about those things. I've, I've been hearing about some of them uh, leading up to the show. But yes, it is a trend. And what's important for, for listeners to understand is that it's true. Metaverse is still a, a speculative term. But I think what CES 2023 will show us and teach us is that there is substance forming around this very nascent trend. And that looks what that looks like is really uh, one thing, technology innovation, but also business strategy. And really quickly, I think in the next year or two, you'll, you'll see a lot more uh, metaverse play, certainly as, as consumer product brands try to have a, 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 a virtualized brand presence. This then this is this is going beyond just the online presence. But my take on on metaverse and at least what we know now and what we're seeing now is it's really starting to take two shapes. One is a, a virtualized path, and and that's that's really an elevated online experience because it doesn't require any kind of special hardware, it, it, just on your laptop or something, but it is uh, a more interactive 3D, I would, I would say quasi, therefore quasi immersive. It's not fully immersive. And, and the other side of that metaverse coin is the, the more fully immersive where you, you need a VR headset and, and you might. Yeah. you actually somebody. feel like you're in an environment, a digital environment. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. and regarding that piece, which, which is what I think when someone says metaverse, I think a lot of people immediately ready player one springs to their mind. That's exactly where my mind went. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what yeah. are we thinking about? And what's, what's turning out, and this is what's important for listeners to know is it's not necessarily going to play out like that. It doesn't have to be like that. Uh, the, this virtualized piece. And so what what are we really going to see in this kind of virtualized piece that's very accessible? So these next generation online experiences that will be called metaverse experiences, no doubt. What are they going to see? Well, this this could be retail shopping. This could be uh, for, for a vehicle, for a computer, as a couple of examples, uh, also for, for concerts and so forth. It, it will uh, it'll be a lot more accessible. And uh, another use case that we're going to see at CES has to do with, with navigating an airport. So if you're taking a trip and you're flying through a, a, a city, making a connection, you've never been to that airport, what do we do now? Well, if we're planners, we're looking at a map, a two-dimensional map, and we're like, okay, well, it looks like we have to, and then we have to switch to another map because baggage claim is on a different floor and, and <laughs> yeah, so you do kind of get the 2d. Yeah. yeah. And so now yeah. what yeah. I'm talking about and that that's the, the 3d more interactive metaverse virtualized metaverse experience. You're, you're in, so to speak, the airport, but you're able to navigate in three dimensions around and, and eventually probably just based on your, your itinerary number or code, I fully expect in the near future, 
that that will be table stakes. And, and a lot of airlines will say, okay, instead of just the two-dimensional arrow that, okay, you got to go from gate C26 to the terminal crossing and go over to gate D12, it'll actually have a three-dimensional walking path. So you'll have already felt like you've walked that before you even your plane even lands. So, and those are very accessible and it is, it is a level up from what we have now, but in parallel, we'll have these immersive experiences and there's some really cool technology innovation that's taking place there in, in terms of haptics, but also digitizing smell. Uh, digital scent technology is something that you're gonna run into uh, at, at CES. So there's one brand in particular, OVR, Olfactory Virtual Reality, and yeah, it's uh, it's it's really compelling when you add smell. So if you think about a virtual walk on the beach, if you can actually smell the sea air, and you're hearing the seagulls, you know, flapping around in the in the air, that that adds <laughs> yeah. a, a whole new dimension. So these are the kinds of immersive experiences. So the the immersive experiences are getting more realistic. And then the virtualized experiences are democratizing this next generation online experience. And that, that's kind of what we're going to see for Metaverse at CES 2023. Okay. Well, good. Well, hopefully I'll get a chance to uh, check out OVR, you know, and, and uh, see what that is actually uh, like and, uh, you know, learn a few more things about, um, you know, What's going on in the metaverse? Not not necessarily the uh, this this ideal that that people like to point to, but maybe some of the subsets of uh, what are going to make that up. So, so good. Well, I think that's where we're going to leave it today, Steve. So again, I uh, appreciate you joining the podcast to discuss uh, what's coming up at the show. I'll look for the uh, the forecast and see what's up there. But uh, best wishes at the uh, the show. Hope to see you there. Thanks, and we'll see you there as well. All right.